0: Let's start off by just having our guests introduce themselves and then just how they got their start into Web3.
1: Awesome. Good to meet you. It's been been great talking just now. Yeah. So I'm Freddie Hickman. I'm one of the co-founders and CEO of a really exciting project called HyperSquare or HyperSQ. And we're trying to build a product that's going to get people hooked and getting out and about and moving around and earning whilst you're doing so. But actually, we didn't actually start off that way originally. So we started off about eight, nine months ago actually a Web2 based product. And the whole mission was about getting people out of the homes, exploring the world, but also getting rewarded for the contributions they make to the network. And we were getting really obsessed with this idea that people go on Instagram, they take a photo, they do it for the points, the likes, the hearts, the comments. Yes. But ultimately, the entities that make all the value, not only is Instagram, but of course all the places that they're taking the photos outside. So for example, the Burj Al Arab in Dubai, everyone does a photo outside of Burj Al Arab, the same thing. They get no benefit from that apart from social clout, but ultimately the hotel itself gets all the value. So that's how it started off. But something wasn't quite sitting right when we started off this journey. And I've been involved with Web3 crypto a little bit from afar from the like, last two years. Not too heavily. And I realized seeing other projects like Steppen and seeing Sweatcoin was about to launch, which they did a few weeks ago, launching their token themselves. I was like, we're building the wrong thing. We're, we're not on the right path. And we made a strategic decision at that point, about April March this year, to sw- switch over and to go Web3. And suddenly it just all clicked. We were trying to figure out what to do, it clicked. And I was getting obsessed with these white papers, obsessed about how the whole idea of tokenization and not only just NFTs, but also the elements of community, the elements of ownership can completely flip the switch. And I'm obsessed with Chris Dixon, right, on A16Z. I'm obsessed with his talks where he talks about what if the Uber drivers in the early days of Uber actually were rewarded with tokens versus just the shareholders and the employees and the early investors. So that's how the initial thesis came about. And now we are, that was a couple of months ago. It's evolved a lot since then. The product is very close to being private-based already on test flights, but we're actually taking quite a sort of a Web2 approach in the very beginning. In fact, I might, if we've got some time, I might quickly talk about that. Of Um, course. So one thing, when we did pivot, we thought, this product has to be extremely legit- legitimate, we're in it for the long haul. We're not here to do a quick sort of smash and grab job, which I think you've seen, unfortunately, sometimes in the last yeah. few years. And so we got obsessed with this idea of launching a token second and building a product first.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think that's
1: what's happening quite a lot at the moment, generally speaking in the industry. But so what we're doing first is we're really creating a product that is fundamentally fun to play, fun to use, has all those elements of a really fun game that gets you back and having a good retention curve and having a good engagement rate. And only at the moment we then feel comfortable that we've hit the spot here, then launch the token and then integrate the token into the product. So that's the approach we're taking first. And we've got some time until then, the market conditions are obviously a little bit ropey at the moment. We wanna launch the token when the markets is looking a bit more rosy and looking more promising overall in the short term. But I think that's something we, I think that's a trend that's happening right now a lot with a lot of products. Sweatcoin being one of those.
0: Two things to that. So I would say that like Amazon, the market wasn't great back in 2000 and they survived and they're doing awesome. The other thing is I haven't seen... So immediately when you started talking about what the app does now and what it's going to do, I thought of the Pokemon app that came out like 10 years ago or so. Is that the right thinking is that yeah. kind of what your app does, or is it completely off base, or
1: no? You're absolutely on the money there. Okay, That's often the reaction we want to get. Okay, great. We- so I'm a, so I'm a good target market person. I'm exactly. like I'm on it. Okay, it's Pokemon Go meets Web three meets play to earn, but you don't need like mm-hmm. Pikachu to love Pikachu to, to to play it.
0: Okay, great. So you touched on this, the last answer, but like where is And I know it's just a completely subjective opinion, but where is blockchain now and where is it headed in the next six, 18 months? I see right now that it's still very hard to even get in on anything Web3. If you're a coder and want to make a smart contract, it's pretty hard. Coders can figure it out, but like when, is it going to be more accessible in the next 18 months? Do you think, what are you seeing out there?
1: So, accessible from a talent perspective or a consumer perspective? Consumer perspective. Yeah. Look, I think I, I'm gonna sound a little bit trite. I'm gonna sound a little bit like a brick and record relative to the market. But look, I think we are really on a turning point right now. In the last two, three years, it's even though we've talked about Bitcoin since 2009 and it's been a very high sure. then, I think we're now in an inflection point where you're seeing just literally the last day or so, Google Cloud partnering, I think with Coinbase and, yes. and the NEAR Foundation providing support there is a real shift now and I think people are now seeing beyond NFTs, which myself included a year ago I to be honest I thought NFTs were literally a picture of a monkey and a profile picture that was I don't see as far as what it can be now which is literally endless I come from a background an Expedia group I spent five years there mostly in product in the travel space oh my gosh the use case for NFTs just in the travel vertical ticketing all these elements that can be applied so I think overall we are now in a inflection point i know you go to any conference and everyone talks about ux and everyone's ah like, oh, what's the biggest challenge ux friction etc cetera, etc cetera. but there's so many products now being developed and it's a bit like back in the day in internet i'm going to sound like chris dixon's record but he talks about how back then it was very basic but then layer upon layer of different protocols were added on and that created the use the usability that we have today i think we're in the same spot now as we were probably towards the end of the 90s. But I think, look, we're in a really exciting period. I think the next two years, I've never been as bullish as now. And not from just a price speculation perspective, from just seeing the sheer amount of stuff. I went to the NEAR conference a few weeks ago, and my gosh, I feel like the smartest people that I know, generally speaking, tend to be in this space in some shape or form. So it's just a really exciting time.
0: Where do you see, so you talked about NFTs in the travel space. Do you see that in like apps on your phone? Do you see NFTs in my world? We're a B2B client service company. Do you see that in my world? What do you? What is your perspective on NFTs on B2B or B2C use cases?
1: Look, I think there's no limit right now, whether it's B2B, B2C. I think my hunch has been a lot of the things have been quite... I don't know. The last couple of years, there's been so much infrastructure stuff being built. That's why I'm getting so excited about our product, which is something that people can literally use and see, and that doesn't involve just going on like pancake swap and just like doing some DeFi stuff. Actually, has some real application. I actually don't have a clear answer to that. I think on the application side of consumer versus business, look, I'm so optimistic around the space. I think there's equal amount of opportunity on both sides. The most obvious that comes to mind is consumer because I think that's what comes. Off to people's heads right away, of course, uh, and that's why I think just NFTs are the easiest thing to think about: were art or was art? Yeah. So I think we're going past that stage now. Hmm. How do you?
0: So, as your, so do I have this right? Your app it it was a Web two product, and now you've transitioned to it being a Web three tokenization product. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, I, I might be overplaying the Web2 piece a little bit because it was the infancy stages. Was, the original idea was around that. I'm, I've got this belief that ultimately success, whether it's business or life, whatever, is just literally a sequence of decisions compounded of over time. And some decisions are going to veer you off from that path. Some are going to veer you towards that path. And some have higher leverage, some have le- less leverage. And the I got a view that we could build something, it just needs to be the right path. And we were starting to build this Web2 idea and it just didn't feel right at the moment. And even speaking Mm. to users, and there's a number of things I can talk about now, actually, for example. One is the fact that we're actually competing here with 20 years of optimized experiences like Instagram and all the meta products. why are we competing against that? Let's let's go into a space that's like just getting started and everyone's pretty much on the same page, give or take a couple of years. So that's the first thing. The second thing was, gosh, you've got to create a network effect. You've got to create almost like a new social graph. And in order to make this happen, we've got the classic chicken and egg problem, the classic cold start problem. If you've you've read the cold start problem book, which is a fantastic book that actually Mm -hmm. led us partly to go to this direction. And it just became so clear that this was really challenging scenario. And actually it was difficult to find the true value of that point. But then thinking about some core fundamentals. How can we create a product that is fundamentally single player? Like, you get utility from playing it on your own. Of course, if you have more friends on it, it becomes enhanced, it becomes better. But it's not a case where if you're on WhatsApp and none of your friends on WhatsApp literally has utility of zero. So how do we get a product that you can do single player, that we don't have to have the cold start problem? And we start thinking tokens are part of that sort of incentivization model where Early adopters, of course, are getting get rewarded for the early contributions that will ultimately shape the future of the business. And eventually, it's going to be more decentralized over time. Of course, a lot of these startups start off a centralized entity, and then they on decentral- un- They move towards a decentralized model down the line. But it was the cold start problem challenge that was nagging us in our heads. The single player dream of being able to create something like this. And then, thirdly, it was just creating something that's in the space and it's growing. And look. We're pre-product, ultimately we're, I'm making a lot of theories, a lot of assumptions, and that's why I'm quite keen to get this into private beta as quickly as possible. But ultimately, as my point around the sequence of steps, my theory of life, quite philosophical, but if we just take the right approaches, have an amazing team, take the right data-driven, real consumer feedback loop around the product, we can ultimately find us to be in a good position. Yeah, so it's not a blockchain question. So if
0: you don't want to answer, just plead the fifth. In America, that means <laughs> you don't have to incriminate yourself. But do you feel like, because you, you did not say this, I took it from what you said, that it was in part your gut, part listening to consumers, what they were thinking, but part your gut why you made the transition. Do you have practice at following your gut? and in in changing ideas, changing majors in college, changing your career path. Do you have that in your past or was that just a...
1: The funny thing is my natural makeup, my sort of my sort of DNA, I'm quite risk averse. Me too. And I've had to fight it. I've had to literally, even to the day now, I'm far less risk averse now naturally just by working on a startup. But it took me eight, nine years to get out of the corporate track. And I wanted to get out of it. I was just too scared to get out of it. And I was too scared of the unknown. And now, through this journey, I'm starting to see how a part of it is just trusting the process and then trusting that you have the right mental models and frameworks around it. Again, I'm early in the journey. Like, I'm not here to preach. Again, I might be completely wrong. That's just sure. what I've noticed. But now I'm much more this... a much more of a comfortable state of the unknown in the future and just seeing how things are gonna evolve and also seeing what the potential of something is longer term. Be able to see something, it doesn't look that great, and most people will flog it off and dismiss it. But then starting to see like what the potential it could be if you really put some time and effort into it. So to answer your question, no, I'm risk adverse by nature. I've had to fight hard to get away from this. In terms of pivoting and iterating by the way, we still haven't moved away from our core mission. Our core mission has always been to get people out of the homes, exploring the world. And it actually came off the back of COVID. When myself and my co-founders, we actually were like, we can't, we couldn't wait to get out of COVID and lockdown. But when we did, we didn't know how to behave. We've got where to go. We've got what to say, and that <sighs> we got fearful of that. It sounds pretty crazy, doesn't it? You forgot how to shake hands and hug. I, I think my co-founder went up to someone in the shopping mall and said, hello, we're like completely lost and didn't know what to say. And no, it's funny, we didn't know where to go. So all these things were like, how can we trigger people to get out again and get away from the phones and actually use it's interesting. All, all the product design engineering tactics, compulsion loops, hooks, using v- variable rewards to get people hooked in dopamine for likes, for whatever on Instagram. How can we use that for good and actually get people out, moving about, and actually rather than dismissing and trying to fight this dopamine, how can we use that for the greater good and bring positive behavior? And so that's our sort of overall mission.
0: Interesting. Have y'all created a mock-up of your product or is that what you're hiring people for? We're way past that
1: now. We've got, we're actually already iterating on the mock-ups quite heavily. We've already got a proof of concept. You can physically use it and walk around now and start to earn as you do. I haven't showed it quite yet. That's uh, I can't wait to show to the broader community what we've got so far, but we're pretty far.
0: Are you going to show that to the entire public or just a select group that have already bought into the app or how are you planning on doing that?
1: We're just figuring out the last few things around that. My gut feel is we want to make this a little bit exclusive in the beginning so we can really get a sense of community for the people that are bought in and are the really early to save the journey. Look, TBC on that, but I think we're going to probably go towards having a little bit more of a gated access for those that want to get involved.
0: Yep. That's Cool. And so, we've got just got a couple of minutes left. I wonder. So, when you bring people on board, growing your team, how do you look for the same traits in yourself that you have in yourself that have been successful for you, or do you look for the maybe the opposite traits that else has that would maybe compensate for what you struggle with
1: at times? Look, I, that's a really it's a really tough question. For example, one thing I have noticed is. If I like someone, just like them on the phone call right, or I like them, I've noticed I'm far less accurate on being able to predict objectively. And so now unfortunately the people I like I tend to be a bit harder on. Interesting. Because I'm like, I like you. I'm probably gonna just get blown away by your personality and I'm gonna forget about how credible you are and how good you're gonna be on the job and how reliable you're gonna be in the job. Of course. Um, so I think in that sense I'm almost veering towards you know what they say, right? People like people that are like themselves, right? That's the basic human instinct. That said, if you have, my view at the moment is if you have someone that's way off the scale at this early stage, that can also be problematic, potentially, in terms of culture, in terms of, at this early stage, it's just so key. I find, at the moment, I'm noticing every day now how key it is to have a team that you can all also get along together pretty well and actually just bear with each other, right? You can actually handle day-to-day interactions every single day with a few people. But look, I'm learning that at the moment. I'm figuring that out. I don't have a clear answer yet on that. Look, it was easy when I was working at a big corp. You just get given candidates. You assess them based on some criteria that you already have provided. And whether or not they do great in the job or not, it's ultimately, it's not gonna be 20% of your workforce. It's gonna be 120,000, and you're not gonna feel the impact. And so now, going back to the risk adverse part of me is I'm actually a bit slow in the moment hiring, I probably should be a bit faster because I'm so mindful that if it's a poor fit from both the candidate side and my side, and of course it's, it's time invested and time potentially wasted on both sides, I'm being extra careful on, on making sure there's a great fit, but I still haven't figured out yet the framework. It's constantly evolving and I, there's, the, yeah, it keeps changing all the time. Yeah, that's interesting.
0: You said you're tougher on people that you innately like which is interesting. It's not what I expected to hear, but it's an interesting way of looking at it. I'm probably the same way. I've just met you 30 minutes ago and I like you, so I'm like, okay, let's do something together. <laughs> you're far so, too easy on me now. You yeah, should get a bit harder. Already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Okay, the last question is, can you just take maybe a minute, two minutes, and just maybe give one sales pitch for your company or how people can connect with you or just something you're thinking on? Yeah, then we'll let you go.
1: Look, a couple of things. Firstly, we're in a very rare position to have a significant amount of investment this early on. It's literally like a sandbox. We've got a playground here to build out. That is something that's not normal. And so the capital problem at the moment is solved. And that's fantastic. And that's great from an investor's perspective. Secondly, ultimately, this is going to be a real fun journey. This just space And the people we're going to work with and our consumers and the users and the businesses going to be attached it's just a very exciting space i really want to make sure that we all have fun in the journey and this is there's i don't believe in work-life separation or balance i believe in work-life integration and if this can be really fun it's not going to feel like work in the first place and then look thirdly i think what was the last thing where can you find me Look, you can find me Mm -hmm. on linkedin probably the easiest way i'm pretty active with linkedin i'm getting more and more active i've realized i'm a bit late in the game there's so many people that are including carly that's done a great job. But yeah, definitely reach out.
0: Freddie, it was great hearing from you. Pleasure to meet you. And I wish you all the success in the world.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much. Great to meet you.